Welcome to this uh, episode of the Down the Pool podcast. As you can hear, I can't speak properly, so I'm going to keep the intro very brief. Uh, we're joined by uh, El Presidente himself, uh, Derek uh, Martin. Welcome back to the show, Derek. Appreciate you doing this. Pleasure to be here, as always. And uh, ho- hopefully I'm your last one of the year. I'll feel very special if that's the case. We- well, yeah, I suppose it probably will. We and Gary are getting very lazy these days, so it probably will be the new year before yeah. we do the next yeah. one. So, yeah, yeah. So this is a very it's special end-of-year uh, episode with Derek Martin. And, of course, uh, Gary is here, too. <laughs> I'm not going to say your last name. <laughs> Thank you for having me again. Yeah, like um, I have to still say that because I'm on every week. I don't know. Thanks. No, you're you got to be part of the. Uh, part of the you're part of the fabric now, right? Yeah, you're 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 one of the crew, guys. You know. Yeah, um, that's true. A lot's kind of happened since uh, the end of the season. Like we, I don't think we've got a chance to like a wrap up, but uh, it's probably a good idea to get Derek on. Just kind of go back over a little bit of the season, and uh, obviously today was announcement of, um the squad and stuff like that. So uh, my first question yeah. for you, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were named the business executive of the year. Uh, and we also won the top season seat member retention and the top single match set. Jesus Christ, they've done this in purpose to <laughs> mess me up. So, so, so what, what do these war- awards actually mean anything to you? And is it a good reflection on the team you've built around you? Uh, sure. I think anytime you're recognized by your peers in whatever business you're in or whatever field you're in, it always feels good. I, I think, uh, this year was the first year we set up these business awards for the entire league. Um, we, I don't know if you guys know, but we hosted all of the teams, uh, from the league in Halifax this summer. And we all had them out to one of our games. I think it was the NATO day game. Uh, and they all got to see how we operated and we had some meetings around that. And it was a great chance for all the different staff in the different uh, clubs to meet one another. And, you know, it's a competitive business. So as much as we compete on the field, it's uh, fun to compete off the field in terms of, you know, who's doing well. And uh, we've, you know, I'll brag a little bit and say that, uh, you know, the Wanderers have kind of led every category uh, on the off the field stuff for quite a while. So, you know, the um, the creation of these awards were designed to create some awards that, you know, uh, rewarded some of the clubs who have started maybe a little bit behind, but who have shown good increases year over year, which is great. At the end of the day, it's about uh, us being stronger across the country as a business. Uh, you know, I always say that we want to compete like hell on the field. Uh, and we want to beat the shit out of every team that we play. Um, but off the field, we're all partners. And uh, the only way the only way this whole league grows is if, you know, more people are going to games in Ottawa, 
you know, more people are buying merchandise in Winnipeg, uh, more events are happening in uh, Victoria. Those, those are all positive things for the consumption of the sport of, you know, soccer slash football uh, in Canada. So we love to, uh, to help our, our fellow clubs. We try to get help from them in the areas where they might be doing better than us in some things. And, you know, hopefully events like we had this summer and awards uh, like we just had a couple of weeks ago, you know, help motivate and help uh, kind of push all of us forward from a business side, uh, which we sometimes forget, you know, how how new this all is as a business in this country. Um, and uh, we still have a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, it, it, but but I think we're at the right stage, too. That's not to be negative about, you know, we're not there yet. It's just it takes time to build this stuff and and to grow organically in each market and across the country. And I feel like we're, you know, on the right track. Oh, well, congratulations. Did you get like a little trophy? I think I'm getting a trophy. I haven't gotten a trophy yet. So I'll, I'll look forward to getting something from Mark uh, <laughs> in the mail. Hopefully, you know, with, with Christmas uh, uh, post office stuff, it might take a couple of weeks to get here. It might be, it might be a little late. I don't know. I can see us having like an open top bus uh, thing downtown. For you yeah. and your <laughs> I, I'd much rather, uh, I, I did, I did feel it was kind of weird. You know, it, it's one of those things where when you're in team sports and you run a business and you've got a lot of teammates, it's, it's tough to be, uh, you know, selected and uh, put out on top of everybody else. That's not really the way this stuff works. So it's like winning an MVP award if you're on a team and you feel bad because it's like, well, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the other guys that are doing all of their stuff. Um, but in that sense, I thought it was a good reward for the club and, you know, rewarded all of the great people we have that have put so much into, uh, you know, trying to build this up over the last five years. So, you know, like just on the back of that, then we obviously had York being uh, taken over by this uh, pretty big uh, um, investment group from down in Mexico. So, you know, um, as a ownership group, how happy are you the fact that we didn't end up with another Edmonton where we actually had somebody come in and seeing A, the league being viable and York being viable? Listen, it's huge. Uh, it's huge. And I think uh, we believed as the other seven ownership groups in uh, York. That's why we took the club over. We wanted to make sure they, you know, operated this past year. I thought they did very well, you know, considering all things considered, they were dealing with a lot uh, there, obviously. And, uh, and to then have an investor come in of the caliber of uh, the group that came in and the connections they have uh, globally in the game and the commitment they've made, uh, Ricardo's moving to Toronto, his family, and you know, all in in terms of what they can do to turn it around there uh, off the field and in the stands. I think it's a great testament to the potential this league has. And again, I think we, you know, the, those of us who are really close to this, you guys, I would put in that category. You've been following it from the beginning. You've been supporting it. There's a bunch of us that have been like that. Um, sometimes we forget think, how interesting this project is to the rest of the world um, because soccer is a old, old sport <laughs> that is well-developed in, you know, the countries where it is as popular as it is. And they look at this, uh, concept here in Canada and they're like okay your country is how big and your economy is how strong and you're just creating a league now and you've got all of this potential and all of this you know opportunity to to grow that's a really interesting situation and you know I know we uh, sometimes get uh, 
get people shitting on it and, uh, you know, to focusing on the negatives, but there's a lot of positives going on too. And, uh, you know, nothing, nothing worth having is easy and it's going to still take a lot of hard work, but we're, we're, we're on the right, we're on the right path. You know, um, just on the back of that too, like we had uh, Mo Farsi win an MLS Cup last yeah. week. We had uh, Kamani, Stuart Boynes uh, being drafted fourth overall today, ex-Wanderer. So, I mean, you know, you must be very proud, like looking back where we are after, what was it, five seasons now and the fact that we're giving young Canadians this, this opportunity they probably wouldn't have had before. 100%. Like, they're... There's so much pride in what we've been able to do so far, and we're literally only scratching the surface. Like, there is so much more to come in terms of, you know, the potential of this league to become relevant across the country as, you know, a a real uh, option for people and how they want to support their their community and their clubs. You know, the opportunities we have to continue to develop players. Uh, we are we are going to have uh, players that played in the CPL on the uh, on the World Cup Canada team. I know it. I, I know we will, and uh, you know that's going to be a huge uh, testament to the vision of the folks who started this, and you know all the people who have helped it in the, these first five, you know, tumultuous years of COVID and uh, you know some unforeseen challenges in some certain markets. But we've we've kind of battled through, and we've got some good news coming soon on on another club and there'll be some expansion news in uh, the next year. It's just, uh, there's a lot of good, exciting stuff going on. Nice. People are probably going to uh, have questions for you about the stadium and all that kind of stuff. But in, just in terms of CONCACAF itself, like, do you think that they need to kind of be a little bit more mindful of the Canadian weather when it comes to things like the Champions Cup? Because, you know, we've seen Calvary and now the Whitecaps having to play a starlight stadium, which is crazy that we have two teams in Canada having to play away from home uh, in such a prestigious cup? Yeah, I, I listen, I, I don't think it's up, I, you know, CONCACAF uh, has a large uh, geography to try to uh, work within, so I think it's with Canada now being in this competition, it's just going to become part of the reality, and, you know, we're going to have to uh, work harder to have our venues uh, available uh, at that time of the year, and it's you know, again, part of the reason why we've made the pitch we have to the city of Halifax and some changes that need to be made to the surface and to the amenities to, you know, be able to host games in uh, February and March. And, you know, even us, like we're looking at our league and looking at expansion and, you know, wondering how you fit all the games in without uh, pushing the players to a point where they're playing too often and risking injuries. And that's going to require an extension of our season. Um you know, even now at eight games or at eight teams, sorry, uh, we're going to probably be extending the season by a couple of weeks. And then when you go to 10 teams and 12 teams and, you know, uh, this idea of being able to end it all at the end of October is probably going to go out the window. Um, so it's just the reality of what we're going to have to figure out. Wow. Get games at Christmas. Um, Maybe but... not that long. But, uh... <laughs> just before I pop, pop off the Gary, just, I just had one more quick question. Um, I just wanted to get your, your uh, quick word about uh, Dino Rossi and what he's done with the League One system in Canada. Obviously, he's announced that he's moving on. I just wanted to know what mm. your relationship was with him and uh, how he's kind of changed the landscape here in Canada. Yeah, Dino uh, is a great guy. Uh, one of the first people I met uh, when I got involved in this project, I uh, remember it really clearly. My first event I ever went to was the CSA meetings in Whistler, BC, 
and uh, it was a year that um, uh, there was a lot going on in the soccer world, and I ended up uh, at a table for dinner with Dino uh, and a few other people uh, and spent uh, the whole night kind of trying to learn uh, everything I could from Dino about what was going on in the landscape of soccer in Ontario. And, you know, he's really been the guy that's built uh, League One up from from nothing into, you know, what it is now, which is a league we're certainly looking to emulate in the Maritimes with what we want to do around League One. And I think you guys are seeing it uh, right across the country with Alberta and BC and um you know, I think there's a there's there's a great movement happening behind a lot of his effort, and you know, great to see him still involved. He's on the Canada Soccer Board, um, so he's not going away. He's still looking to influence the game in positive ways, but just uh, in a different way than he has been so far. Yeah, Derek, I wanted to kind of, as I like to do, go back to the beginning of well, kind of this time last year actually. Um, and there's a line Patrice has said a couple of times in interviews I've done with him in written and on the podcast where he talks about how he was actually approached by the club. And I think that's a good line because it's kind of tells you a bit about his his character and, and thinking his hard work had deserved the respect to be sought out. But I also think it's interesting if you look at it from the club's perspective as well, because we know you did have a lot of applicants for the job. What was it that made you kind of move away from those applicants and actually seek Patrice out in the first place? Yeah, we had we had some great applicants and you know names I see popping up now for MLS jobs. Um, so we we certainly had great candidates. And again, what I said earlier, it goes back to I think within the soccer community, people really are excited about what the CPL represents and about what the opportunities are here. Um, and uh, some great, great people, both uh, Canadian and international. Um, and really, you know, the, the guy that deserves the credit is Matt Fegan because uh, we, we got all of these great resumes. We kind of went through an initial process of, you know, weeding them down to, you know, some people that really matched as I think I said publicly, I probably said to you guys, I had a pretty clear vision for what I wanted in terms of the style of play and, um, you know, not to get into all the nitty gritty, but just, you know, from a very basic overview standpoint, that the type of person that I thought would be good. Um, and Matt, Matt's the guy who said, you know, there's a guy I'm surprised hasn't applied that everybody I talked to says would fit exactly what you know, we we're saying we want out here. Um, you know, I think I'm going to reach out to him and just ask him why he hasn't applied and uh, that we're kind of surprised he hasn't applied because, you know, everybody we keep talking to keeps saying this is the guy that, you know, really fits. Um, and uh, and that's where it led to what you just mentioned, where, you know, Matt reached out to Patrice and Patrice was a bit, you know, well, I, you know, didn't think, you know, I was I was of the caliber yet. And you know, wasn't thinking about uh, being ready. And we said, no, like, you know, if everything we hear is you are ready, let's, let's have a chat. And why don't you, you know, go through this process. And we had made everybody prepare a presentation for us and present, um, you know, their vision for how they would build the club. And, you know, uh, with our roster at the time, who would you keep, who would you, you know, look to move, what, what kind of pr uh, player would you want to add? And, you know, Patrice uh, just blew us away and me away in his presentation um with his personality 
uh, and with his vision for what he wanted to do. And he was so confident and he was so, you know, for somebody who didn't feel like he necessarily, you know, deserved the chance, you know, that didn't come out in the way he, he pitched his vision. He believed 1000% in what he, what he, the way he thought the game should be played and then how, what could work and what would work in the CPL and what could work for Halifax. And, and, uh, as you guys have now seen many, many times, he's got a really unique uh, ability to uh, sell his vision, uh, both to you know the people around him and his players, uh, and then get them to actually do it and execute it. So uh, you know it was a really fun process to go through. It was still a tough decision. There were some other great candidates, um, and uh, it really did come down to. I I still remember, you know, we finished it all off and. Uh, you know, Matt and I finished our conversation. I said, okay, give me the weekend to just think about it. And, uh, you know, thought about it long and hard and, and just, I think called Matt on the Sunday and said, okay, I know what we want to do. Let's, let's go for it with Patrice. And it was a bit of a risk at the time, you know, he wasn't a, uh, you guys would probably remember we had fans, you know, looking for somebody with MLS experience or European experience. And, you know, Steven hadn't had club experience. He had been on a national team, uh, level so they thought we really should hire somebody with you know worked for a club for a long time and Patrice didn't have that you know he was he was new he was fresh he he had never worked in a professional environment before um but but he had something uh and uh I'm really glad that uh you know he agreed and and uh we got him on board and you know now we're off to the races and still have lots to lots to do and lots to achieve but I certainly feel like we're on the right path yeah, that's the, that's the thing I've found when I met him as well, because you read up on him, you watch his old teams play, and the first thing you notice is just tactically it jumps off the screen and you kind of really focus on that. But then you have a conversation with him and he's an incredibly convincing person. He's charismatic. He speaks really well. He, he can hold an audience. And you then then you add that to the mix as well. And you're like, you're not just kind of some tactical nerd behind a laptop who's figuring out these shapes and patterns. You can actually hold a group of men accountable as well and and lead them and it's an incredibly important characteristic to have and he wasn't the only new person to join last year obviously as well there's a lot of new players came on board a lot of recruitment and it felt to me like the the focus of the recruitment was a lot different to how it had been before the focus I know the Vaunderers joke was made but the focus to me always seemed to be more NCAA players and that sort of profile of talent how did how did your approach to recruitment change last year and I kind of I guess this year as well because same coaching staff well uh it's a great question and I think you know part of hiring the coach is hiring the recruiter and I remember saying in the process you know my I've been involved in university sport for a long time I was a university sport athlete I've worked in university sport events I saw a lot of similarities between the level uh we're at and not necessarily in terms of talent but in terms of the maturity level and the age of the players that are that are in the cpl they're very similar to university athletes you know they've 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 been um very successful they've obviously been uh you know achieved some great things um but they're at that point in their life where they're transitioning from, you know, being at home with mom and dad to being out on their own. And they're really looking for someone, I think, that can be, you know, that leader for them, who's a bit of a father figure, who they trust, who they can believe in, um, 
who has those skills to bring it out and make them comfortable and bring the best out of them. And, um, and I think that's what Patrice, if, if he's, if he's one thing, the one thing he's best at is selling and, and the selling comes in, not just with you guys or with the community or with the media, it's, it's his ability to sell a player on, why they should come to Halifax and buy into his vision for the way he plays, what that style of play is going to mean, the good and the bad that's going to come with it. Right. Um, and, and why they want to buy into what we're trying to build here. And, you know, he's the reason why we made that shift in recruitment um, because he knows exactly what he wants. He knows exactly how to, uh, evaluate the talent. You can see it with Kamani. Like Kamani got drafted today, fourth overall in the MLS draft. Patrice knew that years ago. You know, that's why he came and trained with us last summer because Patrice knew that that kid was going to make it because he saw all the qualities um, that he's seen in Alistair Johnson and in uh, Kamal Miller and in all the other great players that he's had under him. So I think, um, you know, what, what he has brought to us is a real vision for the type of player um, that we want to have, you know, how they fit within a very specific system. And your reference, uh, Gary, to the NCAA is a good one, where I think, you know, Patrice, um, not to give away our secrets here as, as what we're trying to do, but the NCAA is this great, um, uh, uh, not breeding ground, but a great place to go find these really talented players that are playing in amazing facilities. Uh, you know, they're getting a huge, uh, you think about a university education, what a scholarship means to go to, you know, Kamani, let's use that example, or Mo Omar went to Notre Dame, you know, Kamani, who just went to Maryland. These are 50 to $60,000 a year scholarships that, you know, these kids are getting. Um, they're obviously very talented. Um, Yet there's this uh, moment that those kids uh, kind of fall off. And if they don't get drafted in the MLS, um, where do they go? And, uh, you know, I think what we found in our first few years, the world is so big. The soccer world is so big. Um, you can find talented players everywhere, all over the planet. Uh, but then how those players acclimatize to playing in cold weather uh, on on artificial surfaces in a league that is still new referees are still finding their footing. Uh, it's maybe ref differently. It's maybe coached differently. It's maybe uh, fans react to it differently. These all take time to get used to. And when a player has played, if they're coming from Europe and coming to play like Dan Nimick, who's coming from playing in England uh, where everything's perfect and you're playing on perfect grass pitches and everybody, you're the biggest deal in the world because it's the one biggest sport that everybody knows and pays attention to, to then being in Western Michigan and getting used to playing in front of a couple thousand people and playing on turf and all of the, and playing in the snow. Well, when he comes to the Wanderers, he's ready for what Halifax in March is like versus, you know, some of the, you think back to our first year, you think about guys like Luis Perea or, you know, Goody, you know, these guys that, you know, they're coming here, they're like, what the hell am I walking into? And, and you know, we're, we're trying to have some fun with it, but they're seeing snow for the first time. And they're like wondering what the hell they just signed up for. 
not having to deal with that uh, initial uh, shock factor with, by using, you know, or finding NCA guys who are already used to North America and our climate is a huge advantage, I think. Um, and, and I think we saw that last year with a much faster um, acclimatization to the style of play and what we were trying to do uh, that helped us out by the end of the year. Yeah, I think the recruitment was fantastic last year. I mean, as important as Patrice coming on board was, the recruitment was, I mean, a coach is only as good as his, as his players at the end of the day. I, I don't think, you you can have the world's best coach, but if the players aren't there, they you won't go anywhere. Um, 100%, yeah. So we kind of look back and it was a fantastic season in the end, but if we if we look to... I don't know, late May, early June, when we'd gone eight games without a win. And there was obviously a lot of pressure and stress around the club again, because you are wondering, is this going to turn a corner at any point? And I was wondering, from your perspective in your role with your job, you're in a really awkward position because everyone knows if the results aren't there, you will decide to fire them. That's just the nature of sports as a business. And I was wondering, like, as a person and as a boss, how do you carry yourself in that sort of situation? Because you walk into a room to talk to your coaching staff who haven't won in eight games, they are 100% part of their brain is thinking, is he thinking about kind of letting us go because the results aren't there? So how do you make people comfortable in that situation while also with your job head on, you're analysing these results, analysing the performances and thinking like, are we on an upwards trajectory or not? Yeah, it's um, a great question. I think uh, there's a couple of things. One, you could really tell even in those first six or eight games that there was a shift happening in the way that our team played. And, um, you know, the year before was extremely painful for everybody involved because when we were in games, the minute we gave up a goal, I think everybody in the stands, on the field, in the office felt the same way, which is the heads went down and, uh, you know, we're, we're down by one, we're going to lose. Um, and I could tell in those first, you know, five, six, seven, eight games that even though we weren't getting the win, there was something happening with the club and with the guys that were competing out on the field that was positive and, and they were fighting and they were, they were, they were standing up in the moment where maybe before we fell down and not putting their heads down, but holding their heads high. And they were, they were getting a bit unlucky, um, you know, in some cases, uh, but you could see that there was something happening that was positive and, and I remember it really clearly, like Patrice got home from one of the road trips into your point. I think he was feeling a little bit like, oh shit, you know, this hasn't really gone the way I expected. He's a confident guy. He came in mm. with, you know, guns a blazing. We're going to get started. We're going to change this thing around right away. Um, and he, he was starting to feel it a little bit. And I remember just looking at him and saying, listen, man, I can see it. I can see what you're doing. I can see what's coming and don't worry, just keep going keep going, keep going. We don't need to change players. We don't need to, we don't need to panic right now and throw it all away. You've been working at this for, you know, three months now. Um, you got 17 new players. You're teaching 23 new players, a whole new system. 
you're experimenting with Mo Omar as a center back who's never played there before. You're 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 doing a bunch of stuff here that is is going to take some time, but I think we can all see that there's something really good being born in the middle of it, and you got my support to keep going and 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 he did and uh you know it wasn't soon thereafter that we got the first win and and then you know we were we were starting to roll and and i i think the key was that you could really you can i don't know how i i can't i don't have a metric i don't have a stat that we looked at and said well you know there's a you know our our possession stats are so good that we're we're definitely ready to go it wasn't that it was just a, a feeling of man, th this team is different. Like, I feel like we have a chance to win every game that we've played so far. And eventually these bounces, these ref calls, these things that are happening that are negative, they have got to turn around. And uh, and they did. Um, and uh, we ended up having a really, you know, great year. And, and now we've got much higher expectations going into 2024 uh, than certainly we had going into 2023. Yeah, I think Anthony and I are wrong about nearly everything. But one thing I'm quite happy with us about is during that run, I remember we were pretty consistent on here that things were looking good and like the performances were there. And it always felt like once that first win came that a lot more would follow, which they did. Was there, was there a moment for you where you thought, right, the season's really turned a corner now and suddenly there's this really Forge positive, game. good forward game, yeah? That kind of that kind of folds into another question I've got about the last minute wins and how you feel in those moments as the the owner of a club. Yeah, it's uh, I'd like to get to a point where we win a few games, three or four, nothing. Um, waiting until the last minute to either win them or lose them is, uh, I think, putting uh, some gray hairs on my head for sure. But um yeah, that Forge game was special. Like there that that's a game we never win in our first four years. Ever. Right? Like that that is not you don't have the lead, give up the lead, you know, with 10 minutes left, and then rally to, you know, have that that moment um of belief. And I I feel like that was a very uh symbolic or euphoric moment for the entire stadium you know and i think we had a lot of we had a lot of ptsd uh going on and 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 some of the stuff that was coming out in those first six weeks was that it was you know oh here we go again you know oh this guy is same as before you know here we go we're losing games in the last minute and we're unable to score enough goals and you know it's more of the same um and that game gave everybody reason to hope and believe that it wasn't going to keep being like that. And, and I think that was a real huge turning point for us as a club. Uh, and for, I think, I think for a long, long time for now, not just last season, but a huge turning point for us going forward. And, you know, listen, Forge had our number, right? Like they, they had kicked our butt the year before. Um at home at our place uh, many times so to do it against them was even more uh fitting and and uh symbolic of the change we were making
Yeah, definitely. I've said it a million times. That match was one of my favourite ever footballing moments in terms of the euphoria I felt at the end of it. Just a perfect example how, as a sport, it can give you the biggest low and then the biggest high within the space of five minutes. And you walk out of a stadium in a moment like that, just not really sure what's going on. You can't sleep because your adrenaline's still pumping. And yeah, yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. Um, I thought the that's why that's why we do it, right? That's why we all. That's why we go to the games. It's why we put all the work in to put on the games. It's it's for those moments of euphoria that you. I don't know how else you get those. I haven't found yeah. another way to get it. No, it's the ultimate high. And around that time, I think the quality of, of football we were playing was so was just becoming really really high and very attractive. And I remember you tweeting. We played away versus York and we scored a beautiful team goal. And I remember you tweeting it was your favourite Wanderers goal. And the reason I found that really interesting was because, as you've said a million times, you didn't really grow up loving the sport. You've come to it quite late. You're still learning the game. And I always felt like I love that goal as well. But that wasn't the kind of goal you'd expect someone who was new to the sport to like, because when people are new to the sport, they tend to like the big overhead kicks or the 30 yard shots that go in off the bar like the really eye-catching stuff but a goal like that which was all about off the ball movement spatial awareness timing knowing your teammates teamwork that is not a goal I would have expected you to have said is your favorite um so I guess that's kind of a long-winded way of asking why did you like that goal so much and what was it around about the football at that time that you started to enjoy yeah, I, th- I thought it was a real culmination of a lot of the stuff I kind of had the advantage of of knowing we were working on and that we were trying to be able to do that hadn't necessarily all come off yet in the first few games. Um, you know, I, I must admit, I love Tiago. I, 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 Tiago is kind of my one of those guys I just am rooting for because he you know, he's a big bull in a China shop. He reminds me of a football player. He's just this, you know, uh, tremendous athlete who's got all this potential and he's a great kid. And he's just like, a. I don't want to say anything that doesn't, that, 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 that comes across wrong, but he's just like this guy that just wants to please and just wants to kind of do all this great stuff. And, uh, you know, for him to, for the passes to work the way they did, you know, um, it was just this beautiful sequence of, you know, Geraldo and Aiden and, and Tiago. And it, it just all looked beautiful in the moment. And, and again, not anything I had ever seen us do before, right? Like our goals had been scrappy. They'd been, you know, you think about our Akeem's first goal. It's kind of a rebound, a shot low, it, you know, they're all good. They're, they're all good and they all count and they're all, they're all important. But um, to see a goal that you could almost picture being designed on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. then be executed perfectly. Um, it was a really uh, cool moment to watch that come together. And, and to your point, I think I've like learned a little bit about, it's one of the things I've loved about learning about this sport is you start to really appreciate the little things that are happening all over the pitch and the the little step that someone takes that puts them in position to get the ball that then allows them to flick it over somebody to then be on the, it's amazing all of the little movements that go into something like that actually being possible. Um, 
and that was that was kind of cool for me to appreciate and i think it's something the the supporters appreciated as well because as much as something switching on the pitch and the performance is getting better there was definitely a switch inside the stadium as well atmosphere wise is that something from where you sit in your in your container is that something that you could tangibly feel as well on a match day looking around like there's something is not the same anymore like there's a there's there's a joy and there's a noise coming that wasn't there before yeah um i must say like i i i think we've we've always had it at the wanderers grounds um the the atmosphere outside of the second half of 2022 has always been magic right and and i think things got away from us a little bit at the end of 2022 and uh unfortunately you know it was just this sequence of events that happened and led to some issues and it just dragged everything down and and you know it's partly why you know i needed to make a change um just to change the the course of the direction we were going in um and and it was so nice last year and even the first game if you guys remember like the first the first game maybe even into the second game like there was still a little bit of that haze if I can call it that over the stadium. Um, and once that went away and once, once that joy came back, um, then I felt like we were, we were, it was back. Like it, it didn't take a long time for it to come back. It was like, okay, we're allowed to cheer again. And okay, we we don't have to act upset and we don't have to be mad and we can just come back out here and enjoy what we're here to watch. It doesn't mean people can't have, you know, criticisms and, and opinions that's all good it's all part of it um but i felt like people weren't uh, rooting for failure they were rooting for success and that's a big difference um you know people weren't being pessimistic showing up at the grounds they were showing up optimistic outside of anthony maybe um and and that's just an important uh change um that happened and I, and i think then we felt that for the rest of the year is there was a sense of optimism and Hey, these guys, you know, can win this thing. They could, they can make the playoffs. They can do well in the playoffs. They're, they've got the makings of a really talented group here that 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 can do it. Um, and I think that's that's half the battle. It's just you know the team believing it and then the fans believing it that uh, it's possible to actually be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was a brilliant season. I think everyone I speak to absolutely loved every minute of it. But the season is done now and we are looking ahead to 2023 2020 sorry 2024 and the new season um so in terms of your job we have the home playoff game brilliant day shame about the result but packed house everyone walks out of there really excited about coming back next season i think does your work for the 2024 season begin literally the next day or is it something you've already been working on like in the weeks leading up to the end of the season like are you already having discussions about uh this player is interested in coming here or yeah we don't think we're going to keep hold of these players going into next year how clear is that picture by the end of the, that playoff game or do those discussions all happen in the weeks following it i think listen i, I think anybody who's worked anywhere in any job knows um if you're feeling good, if you're feeling bad, if you're feeling like you're, you know, in the right 
job, if you're feeling like you're not being taken advantage of in the right way, if you feel like you could be, you know, more useful somewhere else. Like, I don't think those things all happen after this season. Um, you know, listen, let's be honest. There's players uh, who aren't getting a lot of playing time who are obviously frustrated uh, and, and feeling like this isn't going the way they want it to, um, which is all part of this and all completely uh, reasonable. And, and I've said this often, like I totally respect every athlete's career is short and they have a very small window to try to put themselves in the best situation that they possibly can to be successful. And uh, we'll always respect those players' rights to, uh, to try to find that good situation. So you look at a guy, you know, look at a guy like Fumpa, right. Who, who loved Fumpa, great guy, great character has done nothing but been a perfect professional for us, done everything we ever asked him to do you know, switch to right back, you know, uh, a position he'd never played before because we asked him to. Um, those guys, you know, they, it didn't work out for him. He didn't fit the profile that Patrice was looking for in those top three, you know, forwards. Um, but that doesn't mean Fupa's not a great player. It doesn't mean Fupa's not a great kid. It doesn't mean we don't want the best for him. Um, so, of course, you know, we're going to have a really honest conversation with him before the season's even over about, hey, man, don't worry you know, we want to try to help you find a good spot uh, for you to continue your career and for you to land. Um, you know, how do we help you? You know, let's, let's figure this out. He's been nothing but good to us as a, as a player and as a, a member of our squad. So we're going to do everything we can to help him. And I'd say, I'd say that was the majority of our guys were like that. They, they didn't cause problems. They weren't difficult. It's just the nature of a competitive sport and a competitive team uh, who has brought in a bunch of new, you know, players um, who have gotten better, you know, unfortunately that means there's going to be some guys who, who can't achieve what they, they want to achieve. And, and that's what competition breeds and what you need if you're going to be a successful sports team is you, you need those guys and you need them to be pissed off because they're no, they're not worth anything if they're not competitive and, and give a shit. So I think I think a long way of answering your question that a lot of those decisions were already well underway in terms of what we were going to do at the end of the season. Uh, probably not hard for anybody to figure out watching the games and seeing who was making the team sheet and who was starting and who wasn't. Um, and uh, you try to do it as respectfully and as professionally as you can with everybody. Um, but our job is to win and our job is to develop uh, players in the best way that we can so you know we're gonna have to uh, balance that always and you know our our job is to be as uh, truthful and upfront with people as we can um and uh, make sure everybody knows what the situation here is and and what they're up against and and then it should never be a surprise it should be a okay you know i'm either gonna fight and you know try to earn it or i'll realize that it's not gonna work out and i'm gonna go and figure out another place to try to do it and and I think that's really healthy, personally, um, and really good. So I, uh, I think it's been an ongoing thing the whole season. You're evaluating, you're trying to figure out, you know, where who can we add, you know, who maybe is going to be part of this going forward, who isn't. Um, then when you get to the end of the season, there's still a few guys who you're really unsure about, and uh, and mostly because they're great people, probably number one. Um, 
and 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 you really want to try to find a way to keep them or to find a fit for them uh, but then you're balancing off is it really best for them to come back here and you know potentially be in the same situation or you know is it better for them to go find something else and you know, not to make it sound completely altruistic, we're also looking at it saying, okay, how are we going to get better? Like we're, we had a great season, no doubt, but we, we finished uh, third in the league and we lost our playoff game. So we obviously weren't good enough um, to, to win the whole thing. We're not playing in CONCACAF next year. We're, you know, we're, we're, we didn't achieve our goal, so we have to get better. So how do we get better? And, you know, where are the, uh, the, the the places on the pitch that we can improve and again i think it's important for fans to realize it isn't necessarily even because someone's better than someone else it might just be they're a better fit than someone else and and that's the part about a team that's interesting is it's you know i, I don't think anyone uh, you look at our friends at tfc you know just putting talented players on a pitch doesn't doesn't guarantee results um what what gets results is putting a team together that all fit together and complement one another and you know add something unique to uh, the performance every single game uh, that you play and 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 that's a constant experiment uh, and and you know trying to figure out the chemistry of how that all works uh, is always changing because we're dealing with humans and humans are always changing you know whether it's injuries or mental uh situations that are happening or personal life that's happening around them there's there's all of these inputs that are going into you know the chemistry of the team and uh you know that's the that's what makes it fun that's what makes it challenging that's what makes it you know you want to pull your hair out sometimes but it's uh it's what makes it such an interesting drama that we all want to watch is how is it all going to come together so the club did announce today of the 10 players we had options on, three were coming back, Riley Ferrazzo, Kale Offrey and Aidan Daniels. Just quickly, what was it about those three that kind of convinced you to bring those back? Yeah, well, I think um, I think all three of them are kind of no-brainers. I'd be shocked if anybody didn't think those three guys should come back. I think uh, Aidan... Uh, Aiden was an enigma in 2022 for us because everybody could see how immensely talented he was, but for whatever reason, back to the chemistry kind of comment, it wasn't happening for him uh, out on the pitch with the, with the staff we had and with the role he was playing and with the other people around him. Um, I will say, you know, Aiden was one of the key discussion points in all of the interviews with our coaches that we looked at is we, we kept saying, we've got this incredibly talented guy here who we need to get, you know, performances out of like, how would you do it? And it was literally a question in the interviews of Aiden Daniels, research him. What do you know about him? How would you get him to play his best soccer? And, uh, you know, Patrice had the best answer. And, uh, I think you saw that in, in the way Aiden, uh, kind of recaptured you know it's it's all it's still Aiden that has to do it and he's the one that deserves the credit for performing um but it was awesome to see him you know step up and and become not just the talented player we knew he was but I really thought his leadership uh improved immensely um and his uh you know give a shit factor like the amount he cared um 
you know, out on the pitch in those final few games of the season um, was amazing to see. And, uh, and I think a testament to him and uh, to Patrice and to everybody. So Aiden, Aiden was kind of a no brainer. I think he's one of the most talented guys in the league um, and, and can, can continue to be for, for a while. Um, uh, Kale was a revelation. Um, you know, uh, we knew he was good. Uh, Patrice really believed in him uh, from knowing him from Ontario. Uh, I thought Kale was one of our best players. Um, really, truly uh, solid as a rock, you know, knew his role, didn't try to do more uh, than what he, you know, felt comfortable doing, paired extremely well with Dan as kind of the solid hangback center back with the guy who could do the more, you know, uh, the more dramatic passing and and get the game moving uh, with his feet a little bit more. But I thought those two just worked really well. And, you know, listen, we brought Daniil uh, in. Uh, Daniil is a fantastic human again, uh, who brought so much in terms of leadership and character and class to, you know, us over the second half of the season. But the truth is that Kale, he couldn't knock Kale out of that spot. Mm. Right. And, and that's a pretty huge testament to Kale. That's not a slight on Daniil. That's a, that's a, that's a huge, I think, uh, feather in Kale's cap that he was able to do that and have that competitiveness to do it. Um, so, you know, he's somebody we definitely wanted back. And uh, Riley, Riley is, uh, I don't want to make this sound, I don't want this to uh, make it seem less important for him, but, you know, he's just one of those guys that uh, Patrice believes in because he can do, he's a soccer player. Like he can just, he can play wherever he needs him to play. He gets the game. He can make, he can make plays. He can do things right. Uh, he doesn't make mistakes. Um, he gets in the right places at the right time. He's just a, he's a baller, you know, in the, in the true sense of the word. And uh, we can fit him in kind of in a bunch of different positions. He's there to cover people off. If there's injuries, he can play midfield, right back, left back, right wing, left. Like he can just do everything, which, you know, I think is a real uh, safety net for Pat to know that he's got a guy he can trust um, explicitly uh, to, to know where, what to do in any position that he puts him in. So I think great for Riley. And then, you know, the guys that um, the guys that we had to choose uh, not to take the option up on um, again, a number of really talented guys just uh, fit and, and, and where do they fit with where we're trying to go and with what we identified as, you know, the gaps we had this year, in terms of the profile of the type of player we needed, or, um, you know, in some ways, you know, you know, Armand's a great example of a really talented, great player um, who by the nature of our rules with under 21, you know, we have to bring in a new under 21 group. Um, and, and then what, what, what happens to a guy like Armand and, and, and where can he fit uh, with what we're trying to do? So, you know, incredibly tough decisions. It certainly isn't a, a a criticism of his talent or of his, you know, how much we wanted him on the on the squad. We really did. Um, but you got to kind of, you only have so many roster spots and, you know, you got to make these tough decisions year after year. Um, yes. and, and unfortunately, there's always going to be guys that, uh, that, that have to move on and, you know, that obviously is then going to create opportunities for new guys to come in and, and off we go.
Absolutely. Yeah. One more question from my end. In terms of recruitment, so Patrice mentioned like that we wouldn't believe the amount of players that had reached out to him and us as a club wanting to be part of this project. Is that something you've found as well? Like the level of interest in coming here is so much higher than it was two or three years ago. Yeah, I think we always felt and what we would hear is that everyone was, uh, you know, in love with the idea of playing in front of our fans and playing at the grounds and love the idea of living in Halifax and, you know, but they wanted to win, you know, but, you know, there, we weren't having the success yet that, you know, they, they wanted to have, but, you know, our facilities weren't quite up to some standards that they were seeing in other places. So we've worked hard to try to address those issues. And now I think we are becoming a destination that people want to go to. And we're in the fortunate position now of, you know, being able to say no to some players that want to come here, but just again, don't fit with the vision that uh, Pat and Matt have for kind of how we're going to play and how those uh, 22 or 23 guys need to fit together uh, in the puzzle to make it all work. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a nice, uh, a nice shift. Um, And I think, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, where we go. And and as we start to announce these new players in the new year, I think uh, there'll be some surprises for people, but uh, at the end of the day, I I think we're also really embracing the idea that, uh, you know, bringing new players in is a, is a real opportunity to change the narrative around our position in the league. And, and not to say that there aren't players on other teams that uh, are super talented and would be good to bring over, but finding that next talent uh, is I think more important. And, uh, and, you know, there's always risk with that because, you know, you might get uh, a superstar or you might get somebody who just doesn't, you know, uh, get it and can't can't get used to playing over here but I think taking that risk is something we're certainly willing to do and excited to do see how it turns out yeah can't wait to see who comes on board so so does it get any like that first year when you uh you know as you said every year you kind of have to move like players move on and all that kind of stuff but like that first year how difficult was it to actually get wrap your head around a lot like moving on how many players did we lose in the first year like 12 pairs, 14 pairs. Yeah, geez, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but it's also, I think, again, as I said earlier, if you go into it with the mindset of, we're going to be honest with everybody, you know, everybody knows what they're signing up for. They know this is a competitive uh, industry. It's a competitive business. We're not lying. We're not promising things that, you know, we can't deliver on. I think and I hope that 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 sets up a situation where you can have these you know conversations throughout the year and at the end of the year that aren't as surprising and you know everybody kind of understands where we're coming from and and we're trying to win and uh you know we're we're in a league that is a emerging league with a lot of uh emerging talent which lends itself to a lot of change because you, know, you think back to the guys that were in this league in year one, there aren't a lot of those guys still in the league. Yeah. Right. And I think uh, that's not, that's not, that's not to slight those guys. It's just the league has evolved and it's grown and 
you know, talented players have come back now from Europe that maybe were unsure of coming in year one or even in year two. And, and it's really raised the, the quality of the entire uh, league. And, and I think that's going to continue to happen. I don't, I don't think that's going to stop. I, I think the league's going to continue to get better and better. And as we get uh, bigger and uh, more successful on the business side, as we talked about at the beginning, you know, that's going to mean increased wages and increased salaries and, you know, that's going to increase the level of play. So, so, you know, this thing's going to keep going and, uh, and building and, and uh, we just have to go into every year knowing that it's a moment in time. And uh, I remember saying that to the guys, you know, when we did our kind of kickoff dinner event this year, it's like, Hey, look around and enjoy the heck out of this year. And I can guarantee that we won't all be back here next year. So enjoy this year, like enjoy this, this time it's 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 precious and it's uh, finite and this group of players will never be together again so you're kind of you're kind of just doing the best you can on that year and then you know there's gonna be some people going different directions at the end of that year and it's going to change the whole dynamic of what it looks like the year after that and uh and i don't think that's bad i think that's i think that's good i think that's why we always feel invigorated and excited at the start of every season because we've got this new project um, to work on. Well, we've seen um, top middle players come back from Europe. We've seen the first ever Wanderer going back to uh, to Valor. So that must be in, uh, kind of nice that we're going to see uh, Zach Secunda back at the grounds. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see Zach. And uh, I think it's awesome. It's amazing that he's come back. And, you know, again, when our first pick ever and, you know, again, Zach was a really great player for us, uh, a great guy. It caused zero problems. Um, those are the people you root for that uh, you're you're very happy to see. Uh, you know, he's had a great career since yeah. he left us. He's done really well in Europe. And, and uh, again, I don't think it's because he wasn't talented or it's just for whatever reason in the chemistry of our team in that first year, it didn't work out great for him. Um and uh, you know, I, I I hope when we beat Valor, and you know, he's not too upset, <laughs> and, uh, we can have a good chat and go from there. <laughs> Love it. So uh, yeah, we just have some uh, listener questions. Like we always really appreciate the uh, the fact that you do this. So um, this one's from Carlos. Um, what's your next goal as a president for the club besides having a permanent stadium? And um, is there any updates on the Wanderers women's team, which he has? Uh, he, he has given the nickname the Wandas. So, what did he call it? The Wandas. <laughs> the Wandas. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like it. Right, um, Carlos. Yeah, he's, he's probably got a couple of logos ready for it too. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I'd say uh, obviously stadium is you know number one, two, three, four, five. Um, I think winning uh, is one A. Um, you know, I'm a competitive guy. I, I really desperately want to win this thing. Um, I want to win against an MLS team. I want to be moving ahead in the Canadian championship. I want to win the league. I want to win the playoffs. I want to be in CONCACAF. I want to sell a player uh, because not just because in the moment it works for the player and it works for the club, but because it sends a message that the Wanderers can help move players through the system and on to bigger and better things. So um never apologize for that either. I I I you know I I try to stay off social media now, but uh 
some of the stuff on there that people just get negative about, you know, listen, we're, we are a league for people to develop. We've said it from day one. We were unapologetic about it. We're going to provide great entertainment. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be super fun for you to go watch the games, but yes, we want guys to move on and do super well. And to see Mo Farsi win an MLS cup is amazing. Even for me, who, you know, I've never met him and he's never been with us, but the fact that he was in our league and he's gone on to those things is fantastic. You know, I want Dan to go on and play in Europe or an MLS, Dan Nimick. And these things are, these things are what you want um, as you grow. So, you know, we desperately want to achieve those things. And, uh, and I think, you know, the next few years will be um, really about how we grow our club here with a new stadium it's going to come with a demand on us to sell more season tickets, to sell more tickets to every game, to bring on more corporate sponsors. That's going to be a lot of work. Um, but that will bring us uh, to a place where hopefully if our on-field success is matching it, you know, in two or three years when the World Cup comes to Canada in 2026, I want the Wanderers to have won a, a title and to be considered one of the top teams in Canada. Love it. And uh, the, the women's team, how are you playing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, I got excited there. But the women's team is a, a big uh, focus for us this year. We're uh, launching, a, uh, I don't know how much I can say. We're, we're launching a, a series uh, this summer of games. Uh, whether we call that a league or we call it a series of uh, tournaments, we're not quite sure yet. But we are going to have a women's team. Uh, we are going, we had our first uh, tryout uh, camp a couple weeks ago. Went really well. Um we're going to continue with that. And much like we did with the U23 team the last couple of years, we're, uh, we're all in on uh, getting started with this and, you know, trying to figure out the right path forward to, you know, be set up for success uh, in the women's game. And there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and uh, I don't take any of it lightly. It's uh, it, it's going to take a lot of uh, effort and work, but I think it's uh, worth it. And, it's time to really figure out a solution for the women's uh, the women's game. Love it. Um, next question is from CB Keeper Guy. Uh, the city staff report in the stadium should be coming soon. Has this uh, has the city engaged you recently, and are you still feeling optimistic the bill could be completed for the twenty twenty five season? Uh, yes. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, that you know, we're we're uh, most of this work happens uh, behind the scenes, as people could probably imagine. So, uh, have had lots of discussions with the city. Have a meeting this week with the city. Um, you know, uh, I'm still pushing for 2025, as I said in my presentation back in September, October. Uh, 2025 is extremely aggressive, um, but. I'd rather be aggressive uh, now versus just assuming we can't do something and uh, exhaust the possibility. Um, I truly believe that there's a, uh, a a positive attitude around the need for the stadium. Um, you know, obviously it's been a challenging time. Uh, there's a, there's a housing crisis that's not unique to Halifax. That's happening all over the world and all over Canada that we're wrestling with as a government 
there's a lot of debate between the provincial government and the municipal government about how to fund these things and how to do it. But I, I do implore and urge people to, you know, be able to have the uh, intellectual capacity, if you will, to hold, to hold multiple ideas at one time in their mind and say, you know, yes, uh, housing is a big issue. Yes, it is important. Yes, we need to work on a solution but it is not at the expense of all other things. And, you know, we are still growing as a city and have a huge need for infrastructure and recreation and entertainment. And, you know, this isn't a zero sum game where if we spend, you know, $20 million on this, it means there's no money available for this. It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's money earmarked in lots of different budgets for lots of different things. And, and I, uh, I think that's just been our biggest challenge politically, <clears throat> admittedly, over the last couple of months is, you know, getting people ready to, uh, to be able to have those conversations and think about things um, conceptually uh, in a way that uh, isn't, isn't about one thing means you can't do the other thing. It's, uh, it's about trying to build a city, which has a lot of parts, uh, a lot of moving parts to it. And uh and I think we're just one small piece of it. Um, and, and we want to do our part. Nice. Um, this one's from uh, our good friend Denton. Uh, what role should uh, social media play in operating a club? Well, I don't think it plays any role in operating a club. I think it plays a critically important role in marketing a club and in... Um, ensuring your fans and the people that you communicate with um, on a regular basis can get quick, accurate, fun information from you um, as a business. Because at the end of the day, like, I think, you know, we try to stress it as much as we can, but, you know, we're all about having fun. Like, like you, you, you don't go to a Wanderers game to stress out about, stuff that's happening in the world or in your life or you know we all know life can be complicated um for people and it can be a challenge you go to a, a sporting event to to smile to laugh to see someone that you haven't seen in a while to you know get mad you know at the players get mad at the ref uh, be happy when we score a goal uh, you want to kind of express all these emotions in a safe place and 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 have some joy and and I think that's what we try to do in our social media. We try not to take ourselves too seriously. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're not, what's that famous line about, uh, you know, soccer being the the least important thing. Um, it's very true, you know, like, like this is a distraction. It's, it's meant to just give people something to, uh, to take their minds off of much more serious matters. And I think social media is perfect for that because, at the end of the day, social media is really quick. It's 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 gone. You know, after uh, you read it for a minute, and then you move on to the thirty other things that are filled into your your timeline. And and uh, it is a great way, though, to get information out to a lot of people really quickly. Um, and we've really embraced it. I think it's been you know one of the key reasons we've been successful so far from a marketing standpoint. It's much more effective, in my opinion, than traditional marketing we don't do any print advertising at all like I've, we've never bought an ad in a newspaper or a, a print publication we you know do some outdoor billboards we do some radio and we do social media 
you know, and that's, that's how we get the word out about the wanders and hopefully people can kind of see a little bit of our personality and the way we post and talk about things. And, you know, that's, uh, I think that's, that's good. And it's fun. I, I think that's actually like a, a league wide thing. I think that every club has up their social media game. It's um, the, the engagement is a lot more, uh, more interactive with with the fans and stuff like that. It's not just a boring post anymore. There's obviously kind of cool little videos and the clubs having a little bit of fun back and forth and stuff like that. Yeah, good. I agree. I, I think I think everybody's doing a really good job uh, with it, and um, it only has room to grow. Amazing. Um, let me see. This one's from Aaron Tebow. Uh, uh, there's a steady one again. Um, uh, would you consider the budget to be split over multiple years and updates the stands one at a time? So how is the budget going to work like in terms of uh, building the actual stadium? Yeah, so our proposal was to do it in two phases. So phase one would be replacing the two grandstands that we currently rent, the pop-up, if you will, um, with a more permanent structure that uh, kind of went right around the corner, uh, had locker rooms built underneath, had concessions, washrooms, basically the amenities that we don't have now would all be built into that more permanent structure. Um, that would get us to the kind of 9,000 capacity range. And then phase two would be removing the shipping containers that we have on the south and uh, west sides and replacing those with another permanent structure that would almost mirror the structure on the other side. Couldn't be as big because we don't have as much uh, physical space on those two sides as we do on the others. Uh, but by doing that, we would gain another, you know, four or 5,000 uh, seats in capacity uh, to get us into that thirteen to 14,000 range. Nice. Uh, this one's from Deep Sea Diver. Uh, has the club considered partnering with a UK or European club to allow training opportunities in the off-season and loans in-season? Yeah, absolutely. We currently have a couple of players training now in the UK. So I'll leave it to the super sleuths to try to figure out who that is. But, uh, you know, we've already started those relationships. Uh, we're actually looking to uh, head over and do our training camp in uh, in England uh, to take advantage of some of these partnerships with clubs. We think it'd be a great way to get some great competition to start the league uh, or start the preseason uh, before we came back and played our first CPL game. Um Obviously, when you're in England, you've got a plethora of teams to play against uh, that would all be at a super high level. Great facilities. Um, you're in the mecca of the game. So our players get to be, uh, you know, feel like uh, stars and, you know, get seen by a lot of scouts and, and other uh, sporting directors at other teams. And hopefully that can lead to some uh, other opportunities for them down the road. So absolutely. it's uh, And I think geographically, it's one of the advantages we have in Halifax that we haven't been able to take advantage of yet um, where we're, we're closer to London than we are to Vancouver. So, you know, why wouldn't we be the team in the CPL who is really uh, kind of leaning into exploring partnerships over there and, and doing some really cool things 
to raise our profile, you know, look to bring, we're, we're working with a couple of teams in England now to bring them over here in the summer to play friendlies, uh, whether it's their youth team versus our youth team, it's their women's team versus our women's team, or it's their first team versus our first team. We're exploring all of those things. Um, because you know that's that's how we help grow the game and help help build it. So uh, we're we're well down the road, and uh, hopefully in the next few months we've got some positive announcements to make about what that all looks like. That's uh, super exciting. So, do you think we'll ever see like a a CPL All Star where you know it was the MLS they bring over a team once a year to play in a bit like the the best of the best from the MLS play? Would they see something like that with an air league? I would say anything possible. I, I think. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in experimentation. I, I think uh, some people get their knickers in a knot anytime you throw <laughs> a, uh, a creative idea out there. And, oh, my God, you can't do that. And how could you ever think to, you know, at the end of the day, again, if you go back to my I, my comment earlier that this is about having fun, then, you know, why not try some things that are fun? And, yes, they might bomb and it might be a horrible idea at the end of the day. And then, you know what? You don't have to do it again. You can park it and forget about it or not forget about it. Just remember never to do it again and move on to something else. So I'd have no problem trying a all-star game. I think um, it could be fun. Uh, it might not work. Uh, maybe we're not at the level yet uh, to fill up a neutral site venue with, you know, some CPL players versus a, uh, an English team. I, I don't know. I, you know, it's not going to be in the works for this year. That's for sure. Um but I, it's been talked about and uh, we've talked about it at the board table and we've, you know, talked about it um, as a concept. And I think it would be, uh, it'd be interesting. Um, you know, people love to uh, get upset and shit on the MLS, but I think the MLS has done a lot of things right. Um, and uh, one of them, one of the things that they do right is they try things. And, uh, and, you know, when you try things, some of them, some of them work out extraordinarily well and some don't, but, you don't know until you try. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't, you know, it won't happen in 2024. I can guarantee you that. But uh, but uh, it might be something for down the road that we feel we're we're ready to give a shot to. Love it. Um, this one we'd probably be, we'd probably beat Tottenham, wouldn't we? Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> probably. Uh, I I think my uh, I think my Sunday team would probably be Tottenham at this stage. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> We're, uh, this one's from a uh, good friend, Chris Searle. Uh, with the news of some long-time long operational staff members leaving, what's it been like working with these folks over the last few years? And what aspects are key into hiring the next generation of Wanderer workers behind the scenes? Yeah, listen, I think um, uh, the staff that work in the office are very similar to the players in that you know we're trying to bring in talented uh, young people all the time that are passionate about what they're they're doing and you know where they want their career to go um, and everybody has a period I think that that they can give their all to something and then they need to you know explore what else they can do um, and and always will be supportive of that I will uh, you know in my role I, I think we've uh, been very lucky to have uh, some really talented, uh, special people work within the club. Um, I think we'll continue to recruit and find talented and special people. Uh, and and with change comes opportunity. And 
you know, we'll have the chance to learn from the people that we bring in. And, and again, back to the idea of experimentation, when you bring in new people, you bring in new ideas and you can try some new things and, and hopefully keep the, you know, ethos of what the club is all about. That's my job is to, you know, hopefully ensure that the good parts we keep, um, but we embrace new ideas and, and new thoughts from the people that join us and, and then watch, you know, like we hopefully watch players go on to do amazing things in other leagues. We can watch the staff that we've had in our office go on to do amazing things uh, with their careers, both for the community and for themselves. And, and uh, that gives me a lot of joy to be honest, to, to, to know that we've helped, we've helped uh, give, give people a platform to kind of find themselves and, and uh, achieve some success that has then led them to go find even more success uh, in some other places. And especially when they're able to continue to give back to our community. Um, it's really, uh, it's rewarding. And, uh, and I hope we can continue to do that. Love it. Um, there's a couple of questions here from uh, Halifax Steve. Um, let me see here. Any hints of this year's home and away jerseys? Uh, are we going to keep the darker blue for the home jersey? Yes, we will always. We are. We are going to always keep blue for the home jersey. So that's I, a that's a kind of a, a again a, a brand element of the team or whatever you want to call it. But I think we've had the most success when we've had that dark blue base for the home kit, and we'll we'll do that again. Uh, we've had some fun with it. You know, one of the great things about working with Macron is, is they you know, do give us this ability to design these, you know, neat, different, um, you know, the buzzword is bespoke, but we get to kind of customize these ideas every year. And, and, uh, you know, I, I always think they're great. You know, I, I approve them. So I obviously like them. Um, I know not everybody loves everyone uh, that we come out with, but that's the, what that's the way fashion is designed to be. You're, you're not going to love everything. You're going to like some, you're going to not like others, but, um, I really like the two this year, just like I liked the two last year, but uh, they're different. Um, they tell a bit of a story. Um, they will always try to have them tie into a little bit of what makes us unique here on the East Coast and in our community. And I think the two this year do a do a good job of that. I like to see them. Um, yeah, I think we've been really lucky that like Macron will, you know, because you see so many like. Uh, Companies like the jerseys are all the same. You know what I mean? It's like it's just yeah, a absolutely. Here and there, where they've really given the league the option to go and kind of go all out. So uh, it's it's been a great partnership. The only thing is yeah. that those jerseys don't fit fat people like me. So uh... <laughs> you and me, you and yeah. you and me both. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You got to you got to check your ego at the door yeah. when you get the sizing and and not not buy one too small. That's yeah. for sure. Um, he, he just one more question then from Steve. Uh, we're out the 12 days of Christmas and Rover's Christmas party. How do you suggest fans like me survive the off season? How can I keep the wanderer spirit alive during the break and off season? Yeah, listen, we're, um, you know, we, you made reference there. We've had a couple of staff changes, it's kind of limited our ability to kind of do some of the stuff we usually do at this time of year. Um, I would I would hope uh, that Steve uh, can can go back and watch some highlight tapes and games from this year since these games were so much more entertaining. 
than we've had in the past and and fill up you know another month uh, i think we announced today uh when we did our end of season roster update that we'll have our first wanderer wednesday on january 31st so you just have to make it through until then um and then we'll start uh we'll start kind of bring in the news of uh, the the guys we have joining us for 2024, which we're really excited about. You know, we've got most of those guys all signed up now and just working through some different things with all of them. But, you know, we're really excited about the squad that we're uh, building and have built so far. And, um, you know, it might be, uh, it might not be a bad thing to take a little wanderers break, you know, over the holidays and yeah. then uh, come be come back raring to go in February uh, end of January, beginning of February. And, you know, these guys, uh, March 1st, they're all back. So, uh, you know, it's not really that far away. It, it, it's really not. And, you know, I really hope that we kind of, last year I really appreciate that uh, we had the open training session. It was one of the yeah. first training sessions. It was a great way for everybody to kind of get to see Patrice and get to kind of see the squad. So hopefully we do something like that. We will. Time. We'll absolutely. Uh, yeah. We enjoyed that too. I, I thought that was really great. And, uh, I know last year there was a lot of excitement with new coach and, you know, new style, but uh, we were incredibly, uh, I was incredibly um, amazed, emotional, I guess, and just how many people were there for those uh, sessions and games and really showed how much everybody cares uh, about what we're trying to do here. So we'll, uh, those are going to become a key part. We're going to try to expand that. Actually, we're trying to bring a few more teams in, um, at that beginning part of the year before uh, we head off for a kind of out of Halifax training camp experience. But when we're here, we're looking to do, you know, a bunch of games and, uh, you know, really try to do some stuff for the fans who are willing to brave the the cold and come out at that time <laughs> of year and, and uh, give them something to watch and, and cheer for. That's why you sell uh, Wanderers Rum, right? That's uh, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, this, so the last question. Uh, so this is from Kevin Anderson, who is a horrible person who supports Forge. Uh, yeah. will, Der- <laughs> will Derek be cheering ter- uh, on uh, Forge as a good uh, Hamiltonian, or will he be cursing them based on the tiebreaker rule receiving our spot uh, last year? Well, we. Uh... We we shit the bed there because they the tiebreaker only would have worked if uh, we would have won in the playoffs, <clears throat> but Forge went and won the whole thing, so it didn't really matter uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. But um, listen, I'm going to cheer for uh, Forge and for Calvary um, because they're representing our league and our players, and I hope uh, they can get a win in that first round, especially um in that competition so yeah i'll be cheering them on for sure uh and uh you know i can't wait till they're cheering us on in 2025 um when when we take their spot love it love it love it well derek uh thank you so much i know we've kind of run over and it's been uh it's been quite a a, an epic uh entrance session for you but uh yeah man thank you so much for everything you do for us um really lucky to have you in charge of the team and it's as Gary was saying earlier on, like compared to where we were last year, um, it's 2024 just looks fantastic, and I think everybody's like super optimistic and can't wait to see everybody back uh, at the ground. So, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, pal! Yeah, thank you, Anthony, and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you too. I, I really appreciate that you guys do this. Um, I think down the pub was the uh OG 
um, podcast. And it's great to see so many others kind of trying to take up what you guys do, but you guys have kept it going. And, you know, I know, um, I know there's a couple others that are doing the same thing here, but it, but it matters. And I think the more, you know, one of the big things we struggle with as a league still is relevancy um, across the board. And you guys have done such a great job of helping us be relevant here in our market. And, and, you know, I think uh, in 2024, there'll be some things that happen that help with our relevancy across the country and in some other ways, but uh, you know, I appreciate it. And thank you for what you guys do. It's uh, I know it's a labor of love, but it's uh it's it's uh, definitely appreciated by all of us that uh, work at this every day. Thanks, Eric. Have a good okay, one. buddy. Okay, have a great holiday. You too, man. I really appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Okay. Thanks, bud. Okay. Bye.